Hello everybody, we are a band from Slovakia called Cico Band and Rene Rendi. And now you're listening to the podcast Katsumoto with Peter Sikoro and Jeff Lobmanov. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome to episode six of Katsumoto Conversations. Your host Jeff Lobman joined with, as always, Peter Sikora. How we doing, Peter? I'm doing great. How you doing, Big Papi? Doing well, doing well. So, uh, what's going on in the world of Peter Sakura? Uh, uh, you know, just uh, the hockey grind, you know, every weekend traveling, you know, got some new stories, got some new information for the parents, you know, some unhappiness on my part, you know, but, uh, you know, we can talk about it. But, uh, you know, I just get through that one and maybe just keep it a little bit easy today you know just talk about some all-time stories and you know just kind of keep it like nice and easy you know it's it's funny you say that i was reminiscing with some old junior buddies this weekend uh, about some old stories and was thinking about the uh the past of youth hockey and, and being involved in it as a player and and obviously now on the coaching side of it, it's, it's so much different than you ever imagined as a kid, you know, you just kind of show up and do your thing and play and have a good time. But, you know, kind of miss those days, kind of miss those days in my own, in my own way. Uh, I enjoy being a part of it as a coach and, and in the business of it, but you know, there's nothing like uh, the innocence of just being able to show up and, and play the game. Yes, a hundred percent. Someone just, uh, my sister actually just asked me about a week ago, um you know she flew over to see us uh to united states from czech republic and uh we went to the nhl hockey game and she was asking me you know if i you know how much i miss this and stuff like that you know obviously i didn't really say how much i miss it but uh yeah definitely you know i think for me personally it was the you know it was the best thing about it was just like you said, the innocence just of playing hockey. There was nothing else, you know, you just kind of woke up, you knew your schedule, you knew you're going to get to the ring, get ready for practice. I actually, uh, you know, I don't know how other players felt, but I really liked practices. I always had fun in practices. I always try to make goalies look silly or, you know, just have fun with the boys. And uh, definitely just that uh, no worries in life, just take care of your body and, uh, you know, play the game. Uh, definitely that's uh, something that, uh, you know, sometimes I miss. Yeah, you know, growing up, you always hear some of the guys, they you know, some of these guys groan about practice. Oh, I don't want to do this today. I don't want to do that today. And, but it's those guys that really loved practicing that loved showing up to the rink to do whatever it is that we needed to do that passion of the game that kind of transferred to the other guys, um, that could really pick them up. But, you know, you see these guys who really love practice and those are the guys that, that seem to, to make big strides and, and take this to the next level. You have to love every aspect of what you're doing here. Um, and you, I see that now as a coach, right? You see the guys who have that passion who come into practice, they're ready to go, they're dialed in, but they're also having a great time, right? Even in their mistakes and in their flaws, they know how to laugh it off and, and try to be better. Um, they're taking it seriously, but not to the detriment of themselves, if you know what I mean. Yes, 100%. I, uh, from my experience, me personally, like I knew when we have a back skate and, you know, I didn't love it. 
but I knew that's uh, the thing that I have to do. And I knew that, you know, then we're going to do two on ones, three on two, and I can do some south or have some fun score, some goals, you know, a lot other drills. Maybe I always was so excited when we were practicing power play for some reason, I loved it. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, if you don't really have that excitement going to practices or like the excitement being on the ice, you know, smell the ring. I always, you know, just, you know, when I tie my skates, you know, it was just kind of routine. I tie my skates and, you know, it's just that feeling. You put the gear on, you go on the ice, first couple laps, you know how it is. You go, you know, couple bar downs, you know, on the fresh ice and uh, feeling the stick out. Today feels a little shorter, you know, just all that stuff. It's kind of, you know, if you're just going out there and you just like, I have to do it now. It's it's my job. I have to go to practice. Then I have a game that is, is, is not a, it's not going to work. I'm telling you right now, yeah. it's not going to work. Were you, uh, were you a big routine guy? Did you have like a superstitious type of routine growing up or when you were a player? You know, I, I don't know when it started for me, but I, I couldn't tell you when. I just started putting everything on the left side of my body on first. I don't know what age that happened, but I recognized that I'd been doing it by the time I was 13, 14 years old for a couple of years and I stuck with it. And even still to this day as a coach, I always put my left sock on, my left leg through my pants, left skate on everything left side first. I don't understand why, but uh, I've always just stuck with it. Were you always a, a real routine guy like that where everything had to be the same way all the time? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I always put the right stuff on. So you, you, you did it wrong. Your whole career. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, you know, I, uh, depends where I was playing, but I, uh, most of the time, not always, but most of the time I had the same meal the night before a game, the same meal, uh, um, you know, the lunch and the, then the snack, I, uh, uh, you know, try to, um, you know, I always was very particular with my sticks and my skates for some reason. Um, when I got to the point where I could actually tell the trainers that I want to change the skates every 10 games. It took me, you know, you have to put up some numbers first and you have to kind of get into that, uh, you know, into that group of players where you can ask for it. Yeah. But uh, definitely, I always, for some reason, I love brand new skates. I can't explain you why. Some people hated it. For me, I love brand new skates. And, uh, you know, when I got to the point where I could actually change skates every 10 to 12 games, I always did that. And uh, and I always love fresh steels. Like as uh, soon as those soon as those steels were like sharpened a few times and I got that kind of like rounded off, I didn't like it. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of like every player is very different. Uh, some players, they want to keep their skates for a couple of years. I always love to have a new skates and, you know, no one could ever touch my stick. You know, I would always grab the sticks to, to the bench. I always uh, take care of my sticks. Uh, you know, I have spent hours and hours always uh, try to, you know, work on that, you know, how to grip it on top. I always change the grip on top till I got to the point where I always knew what to do. And and uh, definitely with the curve, you know, if you look at my sticks throughout the career, every single year, I had a little bit different stick. Always try to figure out what would fit my game better. 
And, uh, you know, even uh, sometimes between the periods, I would make a little longer, a little shorter. I would uh, maybe like, uh, you know, because like, even though they send you the sticks, you know, from your mall, not none of those sticks are the same. So sometimes I would like, you know, just to shave the little toe off the stick because it didn't feel right. So always kind of, you know, try to, um, you know, try to always uh, work with my stick for some reason. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking that you're crazy that you wanted new skates every 10 to 12 games. I mean, we're not talking about the new age skates of today where they feel like sneakers and you don't even have to bake them. You're talking about hard as a rock, old school skates, probably had some genuine leather on there. What were you rocking back in those days when you first started? Well, I was always the Bauer guy, uh, always the Bauer guy. And uh my favorite skates all times were those uh, gray and black vapors. I think those are like the, the vapor tens. Yeah. Oh man, we yeah, were talking about the vapor tens. Uh, by far the best skates. But awesome. to explain why I love the new skates was that uh, I always had them made in the factory extra stiff, and I would never tie my skates up for some reason. Like you know, if I straight up my foot, the skate would fall off. And uh, I always felt that, uh, you know, with not even tying my skates up at all to have a brand new skates, I always had like more support. And, uh, you know, I guess for that reason, I always love to change the you know, skates, but definitely always was the Bauer guy. I'm not trying to, you know, like to promote the Bauer here, but, uh, you know, and uh, always was the Eastern guy stick, you know, like I started with Sherwoods. I started with Sherwood. They, I went to Titan. I had played two years oh, yeah. with the Titan sticks. And, uh, you know, then when the Eastern sticks uh, came out, I was one of those first uh, guinea pigs for the Eastern factory. And as soon as I touched that stick, I loved it. I uh, loved it. Uh, you know, I never tried those two pieces. But I, I, I first I tried that one piece stick, and since that I never look back, and uh, always love Eastern. I think my favorite one was that uh, uh, blue and black stealth. Oh. That, that was like the by far the best stick all time because like Unreal the handle was so square, and it just you know like the Richard, even the one time where it was just the bombs, and uh, you know. I, even when they stop production, I still play, I think, one or two years with it. Somehow they got it down for me. And and one of the saddest days in hockey for me when the Eastern, you know, went bankrupt. And, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the line of Eastern sticks is out of the window. So Tony Bauer, Bauer just brought back the synergy, man. They did. Exactly. Exactly. Crazy. And you know what? Bauer, please bring up the stealth because yeah. I'm telling you, a lot of people will go after the stealth. I'm That's telling you. That was that was a favorite of mine also. I loved the stealth when I was in juniors and uh, they used to sell them at, at Sport Check in Canada. Uh, that was one of the few places that had them left after their uh, production stopped. And, you know, me and some of the guys would go over there and, and grab as many as we could. And um, another big fan favorite was that orange Synergy Psychor. You remember that thing? Yes, yes, that yes. Great yes. orange. Um, but the other day, it's funny you bring up the Vapor 8s and the Vapor 10s. The other day, I was talking with some of the guys on my team. Um, you know, we we're talking about the mocks and the Hyperlights and all the new skates. And I was like, man, you've never seen anything like the Vapor 8s or the Vapor 10s from back in the day. And they had those black blades with the little triangles cut out on them. Those things were awesome. They looked unbelievable. They felt great. Um, obviously, you know, skates nowadays are just on a different, different plane, right? I mean, these things are so unbelievably made and so comfortable. 
with the technologies that we have now. But as far as style points back in the day, if you were wearing Vapor 8s or Vapor 10s, you were, you were definitely up there as a, almost like a fashion icon. They yes. had that little silver square. Remember that at the front, right by the toe cap? Yes. That was awesome. It was so cool. Uh, yeah, like first I wanted for the look and then I was like, they are good too. Yeah, they so are. Like yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, my son grew out of his skates. I just, he just got a new skate about a month ago. So finally he grew out of my size skates. So, um, I put on those, uh, vapor hyperlights on, you know, he was on it for like a year and a half. So they like totally beat up, but I put them on and, and I go to myself, like if I have those skates when I was playing, I, I would be way faster. <laughs> <laughs> like it is like, it felt like it's nothing on my foot. Like it felt like I was learning to skate. Like, honestly, because uh, till then I was using the skates since I retired in 2012. And uh, I put these hyperlights on and it like, like I felt it's like nothing on my foot. Yeah. Like absolutely nothing. And, and for some reason I was really cold in them for some reason, you know, but uh, it's, it's really like felt I have nothing on the angle of the skating was way different for me. So you know, it's kind of like take, you know, 10, 15 minutes to get uh, used to it. But uh, definitely, you know, in 10 years since my last pair and what I just put on, it's it's a huge difference. It is unbelievable. Wild. It's wild how different it is. And, you know, for, you know, for your generation and leading into mine, to be able to see the drastic change in equipment and how it affects players on the ice, um, I mean, like you were saying, you started with Sherwood and then you went to Titans and then you went to the one pieces, right? So like I start, obviously started with wood sticks as well, but I had some of those two piece sticks like the Z bubble and the, the Easton ultralight. Uh, and then there was the one that the tricore that looked like it was wood. And I remember that was a big fad that a lot of guys had. That was a great stick also. But once we got into this one piece kind of uh, mode where the synergy changed everything, right? The synergy changed everything. How did that, you know, was where you were one of the first guys you said that had it, but did that take on extremely quickly in the league? Because, you know, I was about 10 years old when that happened. I don't have any like amazing memories of seeing everybody with synergies, but you were in the thick of it at that time. Did like, did everybody start changing over to one piece sticks as soon as that happened? Was that like an immediate change or did that take some time? I don't know. It took some time. I got some prototype sticks at that time. I think it wasn't even like, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, really, it wasn't even my curve. It was kind of similar to my curve and I was just trying it. And even though it wasn't my curve, I just love the feel of that stick. And I think I started like in October. It was, uh, I don't want to lie right now. It was probably 98, 99, I'm not sure, 97, something like that, 98 probably. And uh, I remember for like the first two or three months, I was the only one on the team. And by end of the season, we had about half, half a team playing with those sticks. So uh, definitely, it uh, it definitely, uh, you know, didn't take years for players to change. You know, as soon as, uh, you know, they kind of felt a little trust in it and they seen other players playing with it and playing really well with it, having better shot and harder shot, you know, it kind of took off really fast. But while we are speaking at those sticks, just um, something came out to me right now where 
you know, I don't want to attack companies, you know, on the podcast, but, you know, something new stage just came out and it's just like really big buzz about it. And, and, you know, I went to the store, even though, you know, Nikki plays with other brands, but, you know, he wants to see it, you know, he actually played with this brand about try it in the summer for, you know, a couple of weeks. And then he went back to his original brand, you know, but, you know, you know how the kids are, mm-hmm. you know, there was a big hype about that stick and we go to the pure hockey and we go to the store and, you know, we go to feel it. And so I touched the stick and I kind of play with it, this and that, and I let Nikki to touch it. And that's the first time where Nikki goes to me that that's actually too light. And, and I go to myself and I go, that's exactly what I was thinking because, uh, you know, it got to the point where I didn't even feel the bottom of the stick. It, it was so ridiculously light. And, you know, I obviously some people love it. You know, I think the kids are going to love that stick too. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's kind of that war who's going to have the lightest stick. Uh, I know I don't think that's the answer because uh, end of the day, you know, even 15 year old kid told me it's too light for me. I I don't want it. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about it. I kind of, you know, I never like heavy sticks, but uh, I always like at my time, the light stick, which at today's age is probably really heavy. But, you know, when I felt that stick and tried to stick handle, I really felt too light for me. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but yeah, you know, I, you know, without naming names or anything, I think I know what you're talking about. And it took me quite a bit to get used to it. Right. So the first, the first time I used it, I definitely felt like a fish out of water um, for, for many reasons, not, not just the weight of it. Um, I think overall it's a good constructed stick. I think it's, I think it's made well, but it's certainly for a certain type of player. Exactly. Um, I'm not a big low kick fan. I don't, I'm not a big low kick stick fan. Um, I'm a middle or, or hybrid uh, kick flex point. Um, so I, it's not it's not like my favorite stick ever made, but it certainly took a bit of time to get used to to where I said, okay, I can understand how people like this. <clears throat> you know, it may not be specifically for me all the time, but um, there are some guys on my team that have it that absolutely swear by it. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, yeah. it's like anything with this stuff, man. It's, yeah. it's all about personal preference. Um, and I know some of the sticks that Nikki has used in the past and it's a, it's a much different stick than everything that he's used in the last few years. So I could definitely understand where he's like, this is way out of whack. Like the feeling of it is totally different. The way that it's tapered, the blade construction, the obviously the weight of it. Um, so maybe just not his cup of tea, maybe not yours. It's, I mean, I like, I like some other sticks that, that the company produces that are, I personally think the best stick ever made. I really do. I think that they've come out with one of the best sticks, if not the best stick ever made. Um, but there are some guys who I know that are in the industry that absolutely love the thing. Like they cannot stop talking about how amazing they think this stick is. But I think that you're, you're onto something with, it's almost like bringing back, like, do you remember like the Coke and Pepsi wars of the, where it was like neck and neck and they're always competing to like to have an edge over the other one, whether it was like a blue drink or this one or with the lime, with the lemon, with the, you know what I mean? So like, there's always going to be some type of new technology or cutting edge, this and that, that's going to try to bring somebody above somebody else. And you never really know what's going to take off and what's going to work 
until you bring it to the consumer, right? Yeah. So I think it's interesting that these companies keep trying to bring out all this new technology and these new materials and they're trying all these things. But in the end run, you're, you're certainly going to have consumers that are like, oh, this doesn't work for me for these, these set of reasons or these set of reasons. But, um, but no, I, I do know what you guys are talking about. It is an extremely light stick. Um, the puck feel of it is definitely takes some time to get used to with it being so light and the material that it's constructed out of. But like I said, I, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on it as, you know, I think that that same company makes the best stick ever made at the time right now at this time. And that, uh, there are definitely people in that market that absolutely love that thing. So. I think that company should send you some stuff right now after what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's great. It's uh, trust me. I, I, I know we talk about these two companies here, and you know it's funny. It's uh, it's funny how I use them both. You know, I love something from each of them, and uh, you know it's funny how you talk about the low kick and mid kick and uh, this and that and and. You know, maybe to parents too right now, like for me personally, I should way better reach out with the mid kick stick, not the low kick. So, you know, don't, you know, I think to really find the right stick for your son, you have to really try them. You have to spend the extra money and try them because, uh, you know, just to go to the store and say, you know what, that's a, you know, low kick point my son's gonna shoot so much better it's all individual i can tell you right now i should way better with the uh, mid kick yeah and uh you know and i know a lot of players who shot way better with the low kick yeah. so it's you really have to try it out and see what works for for you uh i mean and yeah yeah and you know over the course of the last few years with with vanguard working with uh you know a couple of different of the major companies i've had the chance to do that Right. And, and time and time again, I've realized that mid mid and hybrid kick sticks is, is what works best for me. Um, the, the low kick sticks, I feel like if I really get something good on it, I get an amazing release, but I feel like I'm not as consistent with it as with the mid, the mid kick and the hybrid kick. Uh, so that's what, that's what I'm sticking with You know, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the train I'm on and that's where I'm going to go. But I still, I still think that you do have to spend that money, like you said, right? And there used to be this whole saying, it's like, oh, it's not the stick, it's the player. That's a bunch of crap. Some of these sticks can really add some serious juice to your shot. They can really add some zing to your pass, the way that you receive pucks by the blade construction. They're not just throwing together something and they say, oh, this looks cool, we're gonna sell this. They really are putting a lot of research and development into these things on how they're supposed to help players' games so they have these ridiculous price points as people, some people may think, but this costs millions and millions of dollars in development with scientists and all types of, you know, manufacturing and distribution. Like this costs companies a lot of money to create. They want a return on that investment, right? So unfortunately for some people, they're on the, you know, the consumer side and they have to pay these things. But in the end run, if you want to continue the progress of the science behind this equipment, you're going to have to pay you don't have to pony up and hockey's not a cheap sport. So, but the, the more that you try these different things, the more you zone in on, on where you, you like your equipment. Like for me, I'm a, like, I personally wear Supreme mocks. Now I wear the mock skates. Um, 
I have a foot for Supreme, even though I said I love the Vapors back in the day. I, I was always a Supreme guy through and through with the 8000s, 9000s. Those were some of my favorite skates also. Um, but different foot types for different skate types and, and different stride types for different skates. You have to try these things. And it, it's not always just about feel. It's about the construction and the design of the boot itself and, and the holders. Um, I mean, I've got friends that still wear graphs. It's, I mean, they love the Cobra holders. For me, I always felt like I was way out of whack and I, was, I felt like a duck trying to skate in graphs. It's just the way it is. Technology these days, my friend, it is nuts. If you could give you some of this equipment that you have now, like at your disposal for your son, like the stuff that your son is using and you guys were using it in the 90s and early 2000s, I could only imagine what the game would have looked like. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, you know, like, you know, it's funny how even, you know, after the games, even all of his stuff is all sweaty, how, how the gear doesn't get as heavy. Mm -hmm. Like I remember after the games, I couldn't pick up my hockey bag from the floor, you know, how the, and the gear was soaked up for three straight days. Yeah. And now, you know, between the games, we have sometimes, you know, four or five hours between the games, you just put it in the hotel room and it's almost dry, you know? So that is seriously like, it's, uh, you know, it's actually for me, I'm kind of going through it again with Nikki and, uh, you know, just looking at his gear and his sticks and, and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, it would be nice to have these skates, you know, when I was playing or, you know, uh, but uh, definitely it's uh, the question is like, how far is this going to go? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I always think like, you know, how can they make these skates lighter now or how they, you know, you know, like how, how they can make the stick even, it's not about lighter. It's about for me, have a, like a harder shot, you know, like, you know, how maybe they're going to find that extra whip in that carbon structure or something like that. Like what's going to be in five years from now. Right. It's uh, definitely, you know, something what I look at all the time. And, uh, you know, obviously Nick is going through those sticks, you know, he had, he went through CCM stakes, through Bauer stakes, and you know, and I have those all sticks still at the house, and I'm looking at them, and just the difference from the stick from uh, four years ago, or what you use, and now, it's crazy. It, like it's crazy, like yeah, it's crazy. It so uh, you know, and uh, so you know, I think uh, let's see, let's see, I, uh, you know, while we're talking about the youth hockey, you know, it's funny how we always can come down to the youth hockey. It's always. And uh, I was talking to somebody who's very knowledgeable about youth hockey, and he has an 07 son. And uh, the conversation went at the end goes, and you know what I am the happiest about? That he is 15. And in two years, I'm out of youth hockey. And we just <laughs> both start laughing. We just both totally just start laughing. And, you know, we both went on the rant, what's going on and this and the, the expenses. We have to pay every single week and this and that. But, you know, just like I said before, it's funny how everything comes down to youth hockey. It's, it's the, the, the denominator at the bottom, right? It's where we all start. It's where we all relate back to. And, uh, you know, speaking of youth hockey, uh, you were just away for your son this weekend. Why don't you tell us a little story about how that went? Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't want to be too negative or too bitchy or, you know, I, it's, um, I just kind of feel that 
really the youth hockey at the highest level. And when you get to this highest level at 14, 15, 16, you are a good hockey player. Like your 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 son is a le- legitimate good hockey player. Yeah. If your son is playing on top 10 team at 14, 15, 16, you, your son is a hell of a hockey player. And it just kind of feels to me that a lot of people are taking ad- advantage of it because they know that all these parents will never back down. They're going to try whatever is possible for those kids either get drafted or get looked at by any USHL team or NHL team, or, you know, just, you know, just kind of, they all feel that, you know, they have some kind of chance to play some kind of junior hockey or even go to D1 college or stuff like that. And, and definitely uh, it's getting crazy. I, I kind of feel that the middle class will be soon out of hockey. I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, do. I, 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 do. I, I don't think the middle class will support their son or daughter at the highest level at this age because it's so expensive. It's just ridiculous. It's, uh, you know, like you go to middle of the row hotel in the, you know, Pennsylvania town where the hotel room should be hundred to hundred ten dollars and you're paying 175. You know what I mean? It's it's just something, you know, then uh now you can even watch your son to play hockey unless you pay. So you walk into the rink and you have to pay 25, 30 bucks just to watch your son play hockey. He's 15 years old. And I'm talking about you had to either drive, spend money on gas or fly. Then you overpay for hotel every night for 50 bucks at least. Don't tell me it's less than that. Yeah. Then you walk into that ring and you have to pay 25 or 30 bucks to watch your son play hockey. And if your grandparents or if my wife stays home, even though we have a life barn, you either have to pay extra access, 30 bucks for life barn, or you have to pay for hockey TV, 30 bucks or this and that. So I don't know, like, where does this end? Like, are they going to charge us to 15 bucks for coffee at that ring? Or like, what's next? It already seems like it's that much. It already seems like it's that much. To be honest, you walk around some of these arenas and, and, Coffee's four dollars. It's like it's almost as expensive as going out. Excuse me, going out to Starbucks. So, I mean, you're paying all this money to be a part of the team. You're paying all this money to travel out there. Like for you, you drove what six, seven hours to get to where you had to go today. Yeah. Gas these days, that's nuts. Then you're paying 175 plus tax probably for a hotel. Then all your meals are on are out because you're on the road. Then you're paying for the weekend pass. Then you're paying for the coffee while you're there because obviously you're going to want a cup of coffee or two while you're watching the kid play. It's just, you're 100% right that it, that at some level this is completely taking advantage of people. They see people as, as a walking ATM machine. Um, and something's got to give. Something's got to give. And, and, then, and then the best part is they have those merchandise stands. Right. And a lot of these kids, if it's a bigger event, they want a T-shirt, they want a hat, they want a sweatshirt, or even the parents want one so that they can show their friends that their kid played in this event this weekend and they'll wear it for a month and then they'll throw it out. But they spent eighty five hundred dollars on a hoodie. By the time you're all in, you're spending two thousand dollars in a weekend to take your kid to a hockey tournament on top of everything else that you're paying. So where, do, where does that leave room for people in the middle class if they want to go on a family vacation? 
or any other expenses that they have outside of this game, right? People are turning their family vacation time into their son's hockey tournament weekends. Yes. And I, I, I find that to be a bit out of bounds, certainly a bit out of bounds because you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to like have to have the equation of, okay, well, we were planning on going to Disney this year as a family and enjoying it, but instead we're going to spend the weekend in Allentown, do nothing all weekend, and we're still going to spend 2000 to 2500 bucks for us all to go and watch little Johnny play. It's crazy. You're 100% right. The middle class are getting squeezed out of this more and more day by day. Um, but I, I think at some point something's got to give. It has to, or you're going to see registrations start dropping out of hockey because people aren't going to be able to afford it long term. Yeah, definitely. Not like I. Uh, it's not like it's everywhere. No, it's, it's like on top of it, you walk in the hotel at 2 p.m. and someone I know at the hotel is screaming at the front desk and I go, oh, well, that's, you know, great after six hours driving, you know, let's let's see what's going on. And. And then I go to check in and, and, you know, the lady, she's embarrassed, but she tells me, uh, I am so sorry, but you know, you have to pay $25 extra to check in now because, you know, because I, I have a note here, you know, for the hockey people, you know, you check in at three o'clock or pay 25 bucks. Yes. The room is ready, but you have to pay 25 bucks extra just to check in. And I go, well, my son just spent six hours in a car. He wants to take a shower, get ready for the game. And you're telling me, you're asking me $25, even though the room is ready. And she says, I apologize, but that's what I have to do. That's unbelievable. I've uh, never heard of I, that. Mic. I don't understand. And now I understand why that person was screaming across the whole lobby at that lady. I felt bad for a lady because obviously it's not her decision. Right. You know, she's just sitting there trying to, you know, make her living. And so, you know, definitely she's not the one who should get screamed at, but you know, it's not, it's not her fault, but I totally understand the frustration of the parents because those parents give everything. Like I'm telling you, these parents at this level, the amount of travel, the amount they have to do extra work just to leave every weekend. You know, it's almost every week they have to leave on Thursday. So they miss work on Friday. They have to make up for it. And, you know, then after these parents come to the hotel room exhausted, you know, ready for a weekend, but exhausted because they want to do everything for their son. They tell them 25 bucks extra just to check in. And, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, should I like start yelling? Should I smile, laugh about it? Then Nick is asking me question, what's going on that? And I go, Nikki, you know what? Let's just, you know, let's just walk away from here. I don't want to get in a fight right now, you know? And it's just, uh, I don't know where it's going. Like, I don't know what can be in five years. Like if this continue up, like who, who's going to play hockey? That's, and that's what I'm saying here right now. Right. Like you, the more that stories like this start to, to kind of permeate out into the younger families about how some of this stuff works. And, you know, we've talked about it before, even with things like state of play where they jack it up 80, 90 bucks so that the tournament can get an extra little, They'll crank at some of that bottom line. It's like, I, I understand the business world. I really do. I've been in this a long time on the business side of it. And I believe that tournaments should get a kickback from the hotels from bringing them all that business. 
I understand. But does it have to be such a high percentage point is what I'm saying. You're already making a really good amount of money from all the other things per the tournament. Now you're selling weekend passes and the merchandise and the, you get a cut of the concessions from the rink, you know, entry fees to begin with. And you're getting a percentage of the hotels, but do you have to double the price of a hotel room? Like why is a place that should be, like you said, 90 to 110 dollars a night why are we talking about 200 a night hotels what are we talking about here what are we doing here it's 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 almost extortion to ask I, it may be extortion i don't know i'm not a lawyer to ask for 25 dollars to check in an hour early when the room is already ready and you've paid for your room i've never heard of anything like that before in my life that is wild that's yeah. that's uh, yeah it, it, it just keeps coming this year for some reason like every new showcase i show up to something new is happening i uh i'm not sure if this is true i'm not sure because i wasn't part of it but i am hearing that now they even ask scouts to pay in to watch the kid is that true like the scouts have to pay to watch i I, I haven't experienced that this year no? i, I okay. haven't experienced that okay. this year right. um and actually the one thing that's been really nice about some of these events um you know going to the to the naphl events quite a few times this year and they had that one null showcase that we were at, at the beginning of the season you sign on the scout sheet and then they have like a scouting area coaches area and a scouting area where they provide food and coffee and drinks and you know sometimes like middle of the day treats like cupcakes whatever the hell they bring in um but they actually treat the scouts and coaches really well. Um, it's a lot better than it used to be with just like a coffee stand and maybe some donuts. So uh, for those guys that are running that part of it, please keep that up and continue it because we sure do appreciate it. Be able to scarf down some some food before we get out there onto the benches or whatever we're doing and we're watching out there, we're coaching. So, but um, I think that I think that charging $30 for a weekend pass to watch your own kid play like, keep it reasonable folks like keep it reasonable that could be a five or a ten dollar pass that doesn't need to be a thirty dollar pass that could be you've already spent the money to be here by paying into this team who paid into the tournament so we'll get an extra five or ten bucks out of everybody and, and we'll make some some decent pocket change right it's just but the thing is everybody paid it didn't they did anybody sit out in the parking lot or did every one of your parents pay that money to come inside yes they're not happy about it trust me they're not happy about it that means nothing yeah it means nothing it means nothing they hate it because they have no choice i mean they do they could sit out in the parking lot and watch their kid on live barn that's a choice yeah no they're not gonna make that choice no they can't because they have to pay 30 bucks to you know get a special oh, access right so you screwed one way or another so exactly. either, i didn't even know that live barn had special passes for events it just happened to me once and then uh then you have to sometimes they shut out the light barn and you have to buy the hockey tv it's like at least hockey tv has the announcers and the whole deal with it like they at least they they try to do a really good job some of the announcers on hockey tv that i've heard some of these games called they're hilarious they do a great job right i mean they're not doc emmerich but they're they're good oh, for they're actually pretty good no 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 yeah, like, right? uh, like some of these guys i have to good. say some of them they really enjoy what they're doing like yeah. it's actually nice yes yes definitely definitely <laughs> it's funny so in in all this talking about youth hockey and such uh tell me tell me one of your favorite memories of growing up playing youth hockey in the czech republic 
I think one of the favorite, you know, people maybe laugh, but, uh, you know, everybody was so poor, you know, during the communist in Czech Republic and all that stuff. And one of the favorite for us was that, uh, the, uh, you know, it may just sound stupid, but, uh, the, the Pilsen men's team who played the first league in Czech, they would sometimes just uh, borrow us their bus. And for us to get on the nice bus was like something out of like a movie, you know, like people maybe look at us like, what is he talking about? But like, you know, just imagine at that times when we had absolutely nothing, you know, like grew up really poor, everybody in communism, you know, it's like people have no idea. And like for us to get that bus, we were like, oh my God, oh my God, on Saturday morning, do you guys know what we're going to do? We're going to go on that beautiful bus and we would like bust to the game like once in a while, not all the time, once in a while or, you know, like, and uh, it was like even parents were not allowed to go there. So it was just, just the boys on this big, beautiful bus. We felt like a kings you know like you're driving through the time we will see by the window like yeah 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 it's us and this nice bus you know <laughs> then we would like pull up to the rink and all the people would be looking like you know they're on that beautiful bus we walked out so proud and stuff like that so you know there's a thousands of stories but it just for some reason just came to my mind you know the youth hockey was very different that time that is now and uh you know we uh, as a team we went to the school together we actually from the second grade uh till the eighth grade we were together at the school so we can practice before the school or after the school and uh, the school was right uh, across the ring from the right across the street from the ring so basically we would hang out as a team uh, basically all the time and we were just like a tight group you know just the boys together and uh, and it was uh, something where you know it's funny that uh, you know i still stay in touch with about five or six of these guys because we were together for such a long time and and uh, you know one of them uh, actually is one of the best skill coaches in Detroit. And, you know, we grew up together. We play hockey together in town in Czech Republic. And then, you know, I was lucky enough to get drafted and, you know, make it or made it where I, you know, play in the National Hockey League for 16, 17 years. But, you know, for example, this guy, you know, he fled Czech Republic at age 19 and, you know, from nothing, he built this big uh, skill hockey company uh, in Detroit. And, you know, the other guy lives in uh, uh, South Carolina and, you know, we, you know, his father used to work for the biggest beer company and we always text, you know, about his dad and my dad, they were really good friends. And, you know, so it just, uh, it's just like my memories from the youth hockey in Czech was that we really stayed together all the time. We went to school together. We, uh, you know, all the games and all the summer workouts always were together. And, uh, you know, we stay friends to this day. That's uh, to be able to have that type of camaraderie to be with the same group for so long and have all like so many years of, of building and progressing together. And I mean, that's, that's truly a family, right? Like, you know, you know, boys come together in a season and you know they may be lifelong friends but when you're together for six seven years like that and you have you do everything together from practicing to school to probably hanging out any other time you had away from the rink you guys were always together it's just 
that's that's something that you don't hear or see very often here in the states it's always new players on teams coming in from all over the place or somebody new who moves in and um you know back when we were growing up it was did you guys have the two age groups at the same time so like nowadays they do birth year but did you guys have where it could be let's just say 06s and 07s were on the same team or whatever it was could you do that uh the small town yes but the big towns um i live in the uh fourth biggest city in czech so we have we went by the birth year okay and uh even though i always played up a lot of games or you know like most of the games i actually played up but i always went to school and and on top of it even play with my group so i played so many times it was crazy but uh it's uh, yes we stay together by the age group and it's funny from just this little team like you know the 1976 Škoda Plzeň you know one guy made it thousand plus game in National Hockey League the other guy played in the minors here for a few years then played in Sweden in Czech Republic and there was one more two more guys who played the first league in Czech Republic and i'm talking about just from like a little you know little team in Plzeň, czech republic so you know we had awesome group together we uh you know till this day you know just speaking of these guys i'm still in touch with we always talk about the stories and we always talk about you know do you remember that time uh, yes yes of course i do remember and and you know that time school wasn't that watched as it is now so the stuff what we did in school definitely would not fly right yeah. now what's, what's going on and we have such a great stories together we would stand up you know for each other all the time you know sometimes we have a you know problem with the outside people from outside of school because they didn't like the hockey player group and you know it was basically brawls outside of school and we would stick for each other and no one would touch us you know like i i can imagine this stuff happening now you know what i mean be all over the news it'd be all over the, all over the news but <laughs> but uh you know it was just uh you know and and you build these relationships for life and i talk to these guys all the time and and it doesn't matter we treat each other with respect we treat each other exactly the same and it doesn't matter that i play for so long in national hockey league i'm not better or bigger than him we always really good friends and and uh you know it just uh it's just kind of funny where the life takes all of the guys you know like lower country like you know sitting in that small cla classroom in Pilsen Czech Republic in 1985 who would have thought that one guy's gonna be in Detroit one in South Carolina and one uh, sitting in New Jersey right now you know it's just it's just crazy and uh, and all these guys have families and a lot of kids and some of the kids play hockey and you know now we just uh, one of these guys we just talking about his uh, two daughters are in college and you know he's fighting them on the political views and stuff like that and we just you know just having a laughs you know talking about a lot of stuff and and, uh, you know, every time I fly to Detroit, you know, I try to see this guy and, you know, it's just, uh, it's just great. It's just great memories. And, you know, and I always tell the boys or I always tell Nikki and he's very friendly with a couple of his teammates. And I always go to him, Hey, you know, just cherish the friendship, you know, yep. you, know you, you can be friends for life. It doesn't matter if you guys play or not, you can be friends for life. You guys can be golfing together. You guys can be going out together, you know, you can you know like it doesn't matter where you end up just you know if you're very friendly with somebody and just keep that friendship 
Yeah, I, I just talked to the guys on my team about that uh, this past weekend. Actually, at the eighteen AAA level, you know, even though these you know these kids are talented, you never really know what's going to happen, right? Like maybe maybe something comes up where this you know this player or that player, like you know what, I had my time in hockey. I want to go to school now. I want to get I want to get things going in a different direction. But at the bare minimum, even if they do continue playing hockey this group of men will never be together like this ever again. So enjoy what you can build these friendships. Um, you know, I was in the wedding party of my uh, first junior roommate last year. And I thought it was the most amazing thing that after all these years, it's been like 17 years and, you know, I'm being invited to be one of the groomsmen in his wedding. Like that's the type of thing that you can build in the lifestyle that we live in the game that we play where you can be best friends with somebody for the rest of your life because you shared that experience of a season with them. So that's why I say like, if I had that experience of sharing one season with somebody and I, I end up being the groomsman in his wedding, like I cannot imagine how close knit of a team you guys were being together for those six or seven years together all the time. Like that's a whole new level out of my comprehension. That is just, that's true family. I mean, you're with them more than you're with your family. Oh, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, just imagine being in the classroom, in the school all the time. And, and like, you know, it's a team. It's the boys together. It's a team. And just imagine we had a big test coming up, you know, and some of the guys are smarter than the others. But we always try to help help each other out. So, you know, we had some signs going on. We had everything going, you know. So, uh, you know, it just... Uh, we really had a great group group really had a great group uh, we had so much fun together you know it wasn't actually like pain to go to school because uh you know we knew we were gonna have some fun in school you know we were we were a very active group you know in kind of meaning that you know we didn't even, you know we we were like those kids sitting at the school and just like uh, yes teacher yes teacher we we did went through a lot of problems at school but we never crossed that line of right. disrespect or we never crossed the line of uh anything what uh would not fit in you know what i mean but we were definitely definitely doing a lot of stuff and having a lot of fun and pranking teachers and uh you know like snowstorm came and we would like uh, basically put so much snow over the teacher's car that the teacher couldn't see the car and we were always doing stuff like that just like the boys things and so definitely uh we really built uh, a lot of friendship and uh, you know on the ice we would protect each other you know this guy in uh, this guy in south carolina he actually played in the east coast hockey league that we played in I italy and he was a fighter and he basically this guy's 63 240 you know just a pure pure strength like just an animal and some of the fights i've seen on youtube and stuff like that is absolutely crazy and uh so this a little story uh you know we were 14 years old or 15 years old and we went to this little cottage by the lake and um and uh, you know we went to the little town little village and obviously there were some other boys and you know back time you know like all these little things were going on all the time and uh, you know he basically told us boys just go back to the cottage i will take care of this 
So we went back to the cottage. He comes back 10, 10 minutes later. He's got his huge gash on his knee. And, you know, late, later we find out that he basically destroyed all of those kids. And, uh, well, <laughs> and the, the craziest thing about it was that he came back. He took a fishing hook and a fishing line and he stitched up his knee at 15 years old by itself. Like, like he didn't even like, he didn't even like, he was just stitching his knee by himself. And he was like talking to us, like nothing going on. And, you know, like, and we talking, you know, 15 years old back in 1980s or nineties in Czech Republic. And uh, and his mom was a nurse in the hospital, and she came the next morning. She came back to the cottage, and and she just basically gave it to us all. Oh my God, we were sitting there like a little puppies in the corner, you know, just scared. You know, back time, you no, know, the like the parents, especially in Czech Republic, they they were superior. Like we had so much respect for them, and you know, when she walked into that cottage and started screaming, we were like little puppies. But you know, it is just. Let a story from growing up in Czech Republic. I can't think of one 15 year old kid that I know right now that would stitch up his own leg. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't name one. I can't name one. And I know some tough kids. <clears throat> I just don't know any kid that would be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to fight these kids by myself. You guys go. Uh, and then I'm going to stitch my leg up with a, a fishing hook and some, and some line. No problem. Yeah. Just that's, that's him. And you know what? That's how he played hockey. He was like a stay home defenseman. And, uh, you know, I watched some of his games and he played in, I think he played in East Coast a few years. Then he went to Italy. He went like all, all over the place. And he's basically just to, to, to care of the business. You know what I mean? Like somebody would hit somebody, he would just kill the guy. And like when he was on the ice, they knew he's there. And, uh, you know, even like growing up playing in Czech Republic, no one would touch me because they knew this guy is playing like the second pair defenseman back there. You know, so it's... Uh, it's just yeah, and definitely hockey was way different back then. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely way different. But uh, you know, but he's the nicest guy ever. I love talking to him. You know, he's a, the the nicest guy, family guy. You know, you know, just just a lay a lay back guy. And when the problem comes up, he just like with zero emotion, just quietly, just yep, yeah, gotta yeah. take care of it. Bang bang, um, it's, it's taken care of. <laughs> it was two thousand and four. And the Miracle movie had just come out like earlier in the year. And in the beginning of the season, I remember that there was a lot of hype that we were going to be going to Lake Placid. And that was the first time that I had ever been there was going to be that season. And I was named captain of that New York Bobcats team on Long Island. And we go up to Lake Placid. And for the life of me, I've been, we were just talking about this. My, my old friend and I who played on this team with me, we were just talking about this the other day. And that's why it's so fresh in my mind, but we could not remember for the life of us who we played against. Can't remember. All we knew was the score and what happened. So we, we run through the round Robin and every single day as a team, in the hotel, we're watching the Miracle movie every single day. Oh, boy, you guys were hyped up. We were jacked up. Jacked up ready and, to go. I don't know if it's still playing there now, but when that movie had first come out, if you were at the Lake Placid you know, arena, um, when you walked into the building, there was like a, a, a display case off to the side, and they had the movie running on repeat 
all day inside this display case. So every time you'd come in and out of the rink, you would see the movie playing and then we'd go back to the hotel and watch it. So we were running through teams and we all stupidly decide that we're all going to try snowboarding today. We had an early morning game. The parents wanted to go hit the mountain. I believe it's Whiteface Mountain. I believe that's what it's called. So we go to the mountain and we try, we try, we're all trying snowboarding and we obviously all suck. We've never done this before. This group of kids that I'm with and the parents, uh, I mean, my parents used to ski in the eighties. They hadn't done it in like 20 years, but we were terrible and we are just eating shit left and right. And we have the championship game the next day. We had gotten a buy through the playoff round because of our record. And we're going to the championship game the next day. And we wake up the next day and we are, we can't move. We are so sore from all these muscles that we have never used before. All of a sudden, of course, now it's all our fault that the kids went snowboarding. Why did we do this stupid thing? What the hell is the matter with us? And we're like, well, you guys like dragged us there, right? You all wanted to go skiing and we're your children. So we came with you, whatever. Everybody's pointing fingers at each other. And a team that we had beaten by a pretty good amount earlier in the tournament was who we were playing against in the championship. And all of a sudden it's two, two going into overtime. And I win, I was playing center back then. This was the last year I ever played forward. And then I moved back to defense after this. So I win the face off back and I slide down into the lower part of the circle. I get the puck back from the D I drive the net and I put it in an OT. We win the championship on the miracle ice. Everybody goes absolutely ballistic. And that feeling of, you know, all the, the, the feelings of the movie and what happened on that ice. And there was people watching us. And I remember there was a girl who I had gone to school with and her brother played in the same organization, just a year younger than us. And she was there. Um, and obviously back then I thought she was a real cute girl, but she, she was like in the stands. I was like, Oh, somebody from school saw this. This is amazing. Um, that has to be, top two, top three memories of all time in my youth hockey, if, if not the number one. I mean, so many emotions going through and like the, the venue and the feeling and the whole thing. Um, and then a few months go by and we're at some rink. Can't remember where. And my mom shows up and, and well, I, I guess walks into me, whatever it was. And she's got a stack of of these like pamphlets from, from uh, Can-Am who ran the tournament and lo and behold, who's on the front cover of the pamphlet with his captain C gold medal and the trophy in his hand is yours truly. Yeah, and I sure. big, the, poppy. The big poppy is right big there. Poppy. It's right there. And I thought that, you know, being at that age, I thought that that was just the coolest damn thing that I had ever seen in my life. Like, brought back all the memories of that win and then it's right there and my best friend was on the inside cover bodying some guy just his shoulder into him just trucking him as one of the pictures so between myself and my best friend being in that pamphlet and that win it was uh that's an experience that like you know i i still tell players about and you know i i spoke about it with this kid the kid who gave me the pass the kid who gave me the pass for that winning goal um 
And he ended up not playing hockey for much longer. His older brothers were unbelievable. Like they were unbelievably talented. Um, uh, I think, I think they, they were coaching for a bit. Now, now they both work in finance and real estate and such like that. But what an incredible thing to be a part of and, and something that, you know, I hope that, you know, my future son will be able to to take part in an emotion like that and have that feeling, have it with him for the rest of his life. Cause that was uh, certainly something special to be a part of. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Big Poppy. It was a good that, time. It was a good time. Great times. Great times. And I think that that's some of the special things like, you know, you, you can take those, you, you, you have those memories forever. And that's why when things in youth hockey on the business side of it, or now that we see as coaches, that's why it rattles me so much because I, I don't want anything to get in the way of, of kids experiencing stuff like that ever, you know, like I don't want some shit tournament to, to ruin an experience like that for a player or for a family. Like I, it's not just me that has those memories. My, my family has those memories too, right? Of, an, of a great time in Lake Placid all those years ago, um, all the fun things that happened. But I, if, if you start squeezing out, like we were, we were not upper class people growing up, right? Like, you know, my father was not a multimillionaire that could fly us around in a private jet. If you start squeezing out that group of people to be able to experience that, that, that would be one of the worst things that I could ever think of, not only for a kid's life, but for, but for the game of hockey in itself. No, definitely. Yeah. I think to end this, my last message to these tournaments, not all of them. I just happened to meet twice this year so far. If you charge this much money, if you charge the fee to come in, if you charge extra hotel, at least at the U15 level, at least, have they played the real hockey game? You have them play twice, 22 and a half minutes, and you don't cut the ice. So basically, it's a waste of time. Because after the first half, the ice is unplayable. When I say unplayable, it's unplayable. Because yeah. you play a game at 6.15 at night. You have 10 games before that. And basically, it's a waste of time. So please, at least take the time to cut the ice for the kids. Yep. Let them have fun to actually where they can make a pass. Because the games in the second half, and you don't cut the ice because these kids are big. Yeah. And they're real hockey players. At least cut the ice for them. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes, you're 100% right. I mean, they start the games at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. We've talked about this before. I mean, we played a U18 game last week at eight o'clock in the morning playing U18 at eight o'clock in the morning. You're telling me that there's not enough time to take a break for ice maintenance to cut the ice properly and not rush people on when it's still soaking wet. And, and the first five, 10 minutes of the period is all destroyed. And that's even if they cut the ice. Yeah. That's even if they cut the ice. That's even if they cut it. Yeah. It's, uh, I just, once again, just cutting corners and, and things like that can destroy the, the influence of the game. Right. I mean, you could, I mean, ice conditions is, is so important and in so many different aspects from skating, puck handling, shooting. I mean, you know, you, you go down the line and if you're listening to this, you already know all too well how, how much ice conditions can, can hinder the performance of a player in a game. 
No, no, definitely. You know, like last weekend we go to this place and it's beautiful. They play three times 17 after the second period, they uh, cut the ice and it's a beautiful hockey games. You know, when you have these good teams, these top teams playing against each other, it's like real hockey game. It is beautiful. Like it's everything in it. You have size, speed, skill, you have hits, you have goaltending, you have great power plays like it's a real hockey game we're not talking about scores a- anymore it's a real hockey game yeah you know some of these kids at the u15s are shaving they are six to yeah two 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 ten like you know the eyes will go to shit very quickly but you know like the last weekend was great you know they played three times 17 and they cut the ice after the second and it was just and then you sit there and you go like, you know what? It's a beautiful hockey game. It's awesome. Like, it's beautiful to watch. Like, the game of hockey is beautiful. Yeah. But like, seriously, you know, if you have these teams playing twice, 22 and a half, you don't cut the ice. And you have 17 games before that on that ice. It's it's a waste of time. Like, really, it is a waste of time. And it gets dangerous, actually, you know. Yeah. It actually gets dangerous for the kids. Yeah, they hit a big divot. They hit a big rut. That could That could be it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is, you know, being around the rink, you know, some tournaments, they do it really right. Some showcases, they do it really right and some don't. And uh, obviously, us as a parents, we cannot choose where we're going. And, uh, you know, we just have to follow the schedule. And, you know, it uh, sometimes is mind boggling what I see. And sometimes it's uh, actually awesome. And I come back from the weekend and go, wow, that was worth it. Yeah, that was absolutely worth it. Because you play three awesome games, you know, they actually let the ice heal after the game so the kids can actually make a pass. And then we, and when you have these uh, teams where every single kid is good, it's a real hockey game. It's like, it's beautiful to watch, you know, everybody is in good mood and, uh, you know, it's, you know, and you can actually see the kids really enjoy it too, you know, so... Uh, Definitely, uh, there is something where you know some of these showcases should 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 look at, and you know maybe uh, make it a little more enjoyable for the kids. I think you're 100 right. It's uh, you're you're offering an experience. This isn't just yeah. you can't just see it as games. Yeah. You're offering an experience, and the experience needs to be on point. Otherwise, eventually teams are just going to go. I'm not coming anymore. I'm not doing this. And then where does your tournament go? Goes down the drain. So by taking care of the little things and being professional about things, you're creating longevity for what could be a great experience and a great tournament for many, many, many years to come. You know, I mean, I know after that, that one trip to Lake Placid, we went for the next two years. Yeah, exactly. We went to, we went to Lake Placid. That's what we did. Went that year, next year. I, th- I believe we went the, the third year. I know we. I know we definitely went the next year, um, because we had it, it was it was well run. Like I don't remember there being any hiccups as a player, and I don't remember my parents ever mentioning that there was anything bad that happened. We had a great time. It was good competition, and you know, the venue was beautiful, right? I mean, what, not too many better venues than that in the country to hold a youth hockey tournament in a town like that. So I mean, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that when you can start looking at it as an experience and not just a tournament and some of these places do, some of them do, as you said, you, you've definitely left some showcases and tournaments. Wow. They did it. They did a great job. Um, 100%. 
Can't wait to go back to them. I hope our team goes back to them to another event that they were doing this year, or hopefully a team that we're on next year will go. Um, but it leaves a lasting memory. And it's, you know, it's the same thing on the opposite end of the spectrum. When, when you leave after having a, a shit weekend and you go, I can never, I don't ever want to go back to the way that these people ran a showcase or a tournament ever. If, it, if it's never, it's too soon. Yeah. Like, I don't think I will be coaching next year. But if I'm coaching out of the nine showcases I went to this year, there is three of them my team will never go to. Like, like when I say never, it's like never, you know, and there is about, there was a couple where I will say, yeah, we're going to come back. And there is about three, four when I'm goes, yeah, I'm coming back here every single year, right. every single year. And I, I don't care if you don't have the time competition, you know what? I'm still coming because right. you made a great experience for the kids. Not yep. for the parent, not not for me to coach for the kids. Hundred percent. And that's what it's that's who it's about. Yeah. Let's not forget who this is all about, right? It's it's about them. They're the ones playing. They're the reason that we're here and that we take the time and the money and the effort to get there. So, I mean, if you don't make it a great experience for the kids, what are you doing? What are you doing? But uh, on that note, I think. Uh, this has once again been an amazing conversation. It's been a lot of fun going down memory lane with you. Big Papi, as always, unbelievable. I think uh, we just kind of had it a little lighter today. You know, we can maybe bring some guests next time or, you know, have some certain topics. But definitely, as always, it was a great conversation. It sure was, Katsumoto. And uh, look forward to having you all join us again for episode seven. So thank you very much for tuning in. Peter, take care of yourself. Thank you, Big Papi. Take care. Ahojte všetci, sme kapela zo Slovenska, Cicobent a René Rendy a počúvate rozhovor Katsumoto s Petrom Sikorom a s Jeffom Loubmanom. Oh!